Well, good day from uh, Grace Community Church. Glad you could join us and uh, tune in on uh, the book of Joshua. We've been doing Joshua on our Tuesday night studies for uh, several months, and we have proceeded all the way to chapter 12. We've been doing it rather quickly, about a chapter a week or so. And uh, we will be doing chapter 12 through 21 this week, and I know you're wondering how are we going to do that. But if you've read ahead, you'll probably see why we're doing that. Um, it's a it's a different section, but it's basically summing up what happened to Israel and the tribes. In chapters 1 through 4, uh, it dealt with the entrance of the Israelites into the Promised Land. And then in chapters 5 through 12, uh, it was dealing with the conquering of the Promised Land, which we had just finished. And now... Uh, in 13 through 21, which is what we're going to be dealing with tonight, it'll probably be an abbreviated study because it'll be self-explanatory as we go through it, but there will be some things that we will highlight. Uh, chapters 13 through 21 is dealing with possessing of the promised land and uh, the responsibilities of the covenant people, the Israelites. So what we will get at is this summary, uh, verses right at the end of chapter 21, uh, verse 43 and 44, I do believe it is, will help us in a lot of ways, because really it's a theological summary of the entire book of Joshua. Quite a few chapters. So why don't we read that right now? That's the two major verses that we're really dealing with tonight, as we cover about like uh, ten chapters. So, the Lord gave Israel all the land in which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest from every side according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. That sums up the book of Joshua very well. It's about the great God who promises and he always comes through with those promises. Now, the fact that I'm going to be skimming over ten chapters doesn't mean that that part of scripture is not valuable or that it's unimportant. It's very important. It's very important to the Israelites. That is for sure. It's important to us because we know that the Word of God and every word is inspired. Every word, everything in the Bible is truth. It's called plenary inspiration. Verbal plenary inspiration. So don't get me wrong as we cover this much uh, tonight but we know that every jot and tittle is important. And so we're going to summarize now the message of those ten chapters in three different words. Let's try to make this as simple as we can. The first part is dealing with God gave His people the land. He gave His people the land. The second word would be victory or possession, if you like. He gave them the land and then He gave them the possession of it. They're victorious over it in their battles. And God gave his people rest. So let's go with land and victory and rest. Or land, possession and rest. So we start off in that verse 43. And you'll see why we break it down in that. 
of chapter 21 of Joshua. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers and they possessed it and lived in it. So there's the land, there's the possession, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. So there's your third one right there, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the uh, good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed, all came to pass. So, God gave them the land. The first part we're going to look at is that. Chapters 13 and 14. Uh, God gave the Israelites the land east and west of the Jordan River. Uh, he gives a detailed account in those two chapters of how the various tribes and families were to settle in that land. Now, uh, of course, uh, ten chapters to give us this detailed account is, is very interesting. Um, it's a tribal appointment to the land. Here's where each tribe is going to go. God makes that clear. Uh, the information that's covered in those chapters is fascinating because it's twice as much as the powerful books of Ephesians and Colossians. Twice as much as those two books right there compared to these ten chapters that we are covering tonight. But it's about God keeping His promises down to the very last detail, down to the minutest. That is what is incredible. That's the kind of God the Israelites had. That's the kind of God that we have. So by the time we finish this tonight, you'll be very encouraged because we get to see really the character and nature of God. And that's what it's about as we go through here. And of course it's because of Christ at the heart of all of this. And we'll get to that. Of course, Joshua is the same name, basically, as Jesus, Yeshua, Yahashua. There isn't one aspect of any kind of promise that God makes that will ever fail. He cares. Matter of fact, we know that He knows the number of the hairs on your head. And He cares about that. He cares about when you try to sleep at night and you can't get to sleep because of some kind of concern that you have. Something that keeps you awake all night. He cares for even that, as little as it may seem. So he was giving the tribes the land. And it's interesting that there is one tribe that didn't get the land. It was the Levites. And the Levites, who are the ones who lead the worship, to take care of the tabernacle and the place of worship uh, but they have the ultimate inheritance and that is in the Lord and of course that's what all of us really want anyway but there's no inheritance of land for the Levites then in chapters 14 and 19 while the Levites were not given a special inheritance there were two men that got a special inheritance, Joshua and Caleb. And if you remember, you go back past 40 years ago, I guess, and they were the ones who had spied out, along with ten others, 
there, there were the spies and it was Joshua and Caleb that said, we can overtake that. We can go into Canaan and we can take it. Of course, with God's help, it's all about God. So they were ready to go. But the people became very negative on it and very faithless in the sense that God is faithful and all they have to do is believe what God has said. But that's not the case. They were ready to stone Joshua and Caleb because they were trying to press the issue. Let's go for it. Well, God rewards the faith of Joshua and Caleb. They get special land inheritance. He vindicates the obedience that they had all the way through that time. But I want you to take note, it took 40 years before they got that particular reward. But God rewards faith. And that's what we see there. <clears throat> so, when we know that God is a God of faith, God promises, I mean, he, I mean he, we can believe in Him, we can have faith in God. He's faithful in that sense. Um, has God forgotten us sometimes when we have prayed, we have been obedient, we've done things that we know that is honorable to God, and it seems like that we're not getting our promise. It's not coming the way that we ought to. Well, just remember, Joshua and Caleb was remembered by God and they got a special piece of land that they would call their own. I wonder what promises that you've claimed for yourself that's from God. And you kind of think, it seems like God's kind of forgotten about it. Well, you know better. But now you begin to doubt the very truth that you know that is there, the validity and the power and the promise that God makes and He always comes through. And here is God remembering to keep His promise. God cannot forget. So, He apportioned out the land. He did it for all the people. did it for Joshua and Caleb. It was a long time in coming. It was 40 years. Have you waited for 40 years? Maybe so. Keep waiting. God will do what He promises and what is absolutely the best every time. That's the kind of God that we have. God keeps His promises. You can rest your soul on that. So, we go to number two. We see that He gives the land. Now, in verse 44 of chapter 21 of Joshua, He had said that He gave them a victory, he gave them possession of the land. It was theirs. He handed all the enemies over to them. In this victory that they had throughout all the Canaanite land, started with Jericho, then Ai, and then they protected and stayed faithful to the covenant of the Gibeonites. And they won the south, they won the north, they won it completely. And uh, we see in chapter 12, I'm going back and forth, but in chapter 12 you have what is uh, the, the, uh, 
chapter dealing with the kings, 31 kings I do believe, are mentioned at trophies, as trophies of God's power as He delivered the Israelites right on into victory. Over a lot of the kings there, all of them. And that was victory. Uh, possession that they had, it was miraculous because God worked all this out. It was of ease, I guess you could say, and in the way that they took Jericho, that was relatively easy. Just do what he says, march around the city, blow the trumpets, the walls come down, and they go in and defeat the enemy. You know what? That's characteristic of our Heavenly Father who gives us a lot of easy victories as He's the captain and He leads us. It's the beginning of our Christian pilgrimage and we see Him do that a lot. We remember way back when, when we were early Christians, He did so many things for us and we didn't do a thing, starting with salvation in itself. What a glimpse of His glorious power. But, there are future victories that we will have that will be with labor. And it will take a lot of strength from God, but our own, where we have to battle and struggle. Even though it starts off much of the time for new believers in a way that is not so much of a struggle. But it gets to be that way as we move on in our walk. We often hear of conversion stories of people who were alcoholics, who are addicts, drug addicts, going on, all the different things that maybe they were hung up on severely. And we see that many of them don't have too much of a struggle, which they did before, of trying to quit these drugs, alcohol, and then they become a Christian and it's like it just drops. That's not for everybody, but for many you hear that kind of story. And they know that it was God and God alone who did that. There are certain habits that are present among people and God just takes it from them. But have you ever noticed as you go along in that Christian walk, underneath the surface, there are stubborn sins just tugging at us all the time. Just below the surface and it's within the, the heart. There, there's great effort and perseverance that it takes to overcome those particular sins. Well, anyway, uh, we noticed that Israelites, the Israelites didn't obey completely all the way through. We know that. It was not full obedience from the people of God. Even though they did get to occupy the land of Canaan, but there was some disobedience. And the results show from that. There are consequences. For example, in chapter 1563, the Jebusites of Jerusalem were completely driven out of Israel, and they were to be a thorn in the side of Israel for a long time. 
Or in chapter 16, at the end there, you have the Canaanites, or really the, they're the Ephraimites. Uh, and most striking in chapter 17, verse 17 and 18, when the descendants of Joseph actually come to Joshua and uh, say that the allotment that they have wasn't big enough. Oh, why wasn't it big enough? Well, they need to go and take the hill country for themselves. Do you see what he's saying? They should have wiped them out. But they can still do it. It's going to take a great effort. It's going to take God's power. But also, it's going to take you too. Yes, it's going to be a struggle. It's not 90% of God's power and 10% ours. You see, it's 100% God. But it's also all of our power also in the sense that we're in... Uh, Corinthians, we hear, or Philippians, says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not working for salvation, but working it out. What God has given us, then you work that out. All those who are saved do works. God has given us works to do. And so it is, it's, it's for God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure for His glory, and it's by His grace, and it's for us, and it's, it's a win-win situation. But yes, we have to put forth effort. Well, the Israelites failed in some ways of driving out all the enemies. We've known about that. They allowed pockets of resistance to hang around there and they grew, and of course, there were instances that they came up and flourished sometimes. The consequences remained for a long, long time, all the way on through. seems like the rest of their history, as we look back at it, it seems like it always returned like a bad dream and uh, would haunt them. John Bunyan, who is a Puritan writer, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote a lot of different things, of course, and there was a piece of poetry that he had, and I want to read it in ye old English, and at the same time, you'll get what he's talking about as where we have been talking about. Sin, rather than twill out of action be, will pray to stay but for a while with thee, one night, one hour, one moment will it cry. Embrace me in thy bosom, else I die. Time to repent, saith it. I will allow, and help is to repent. Thou knowest not, not, not how, but if you give it entrance at the door, it will come in and may go out no more. I think we get that, don't we? The very principle that's operating in these chapters that happened with Israel the failure on the part of the people of God there to just render complete and full obedience to the command of God is go in and wipe them all out. And so that has to do with respect to the occupation of the land and it led to consequences that were to dog these people of God throughout centuries later. It's called mortification of sin for us. We are to mortify the sins. Kill it, starve it, choke it, whatever it takes. We know that to be sin, 
starve it, kill it, stop it. And I know that's an effort. And it is by God's grace, but it's also by our effort using His power to do what He says and we know to be right. Don't play around with sin. The consequences will be there if we don't kill it. Now, the third part, as we come near the close of this now, He gave them rest. So He gave them this, these promises. Uh, he gave them the land. He gave the possession of it. And then He gave them rest. Like that. There's two kinds of rest here. From the uh, external, that would be the enemies that were that they conquered. He gives rest from them, for the, basically. But also there's an internal rest. And really that is salvation. For those who need salvation and recognize that, and everybody does, but when we see we need it, we hunger for that, we starve for it, we want it, and we get rest. Now chapter 20 is a description of what is called the city of refuge. Um, we here in America now have cities of refuge but I would say it's quite different from what is meant here. God gave him the law to the Israelites. The cities of refuge means there can be murderers and drug runners and all sorts of people who would be not even citizens of this country who are given refuge. Like a city like San Francisco, for instance, who they can go there and feel free. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past. That's not the kind of refuge that we have here. What we do have, let's say if somebody unintentionally killed somebody, they didn't mean to, didn't have it planned out, they were maybe chopping a tree with an axe, the axe head flew off, and hit somebody in the head, knocked them out, knocked them cold, matter of fact, so cold and out that they died. Now, that's an unintentional killing. The man who did the acts did not mean to do that. Well, in the case of an intentional, unintentional death like that, a person could run to one of the cities of in Israel that would be called a city of refuge. God set forth particular places where they could run to, they could flee, and then go to a, it's like a safe house, where maybe somebody from a, a, that family that had a relative, a brother or whatever, and they they are going to take revenge on that person who killed him, not trying to. So he would stay in that city until the death of the high priest. Now that's interesting. He'd stay there until a high priest would die. Now, scholars have argued over this for years, but I think it's interesting the death of the high priest was regarded, in some sense, as an atonement for the crime. The blood that had been shed. Now the high priest uh, has made an atonement in that sense of that person that uh, 
was there in that uh, city of refuge, when the high priest would die, the gates of the city would open, and that person or people that were in that city of refuge for protection were now set free. And legally, they were no longer in uh, holding in a refuge city. They were free. Now, I suspect that in this period of history, they didn't get really understanding of that totally, of what that meant. But I think we can all figure out that, uh, and they would do, that forgiveness from God covers even the deepest sin. It's a great picture. We have that kind of rest in our spiritual lives. We know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the picture of Joshua. The Joshua Jesus that we see in the New Testament, we know that those consequences of past sins and actions, we can find in Christ an open door which we can flee out of, walk right out of, out of and we have life, we have liberty. In Christ, all those past sins, present sins, future sins, are all taken care of. We find rest. We find refuge. Remember about that high priest? There was some kind of atonement there. Well, Christ is our high priest who died. And it's through the atoning blood of the high priest, our great high priest, is where we can find our rest and our refuge. Isn't that beautiful? What God set forth as giving the cities of refuge. Be interesting just to go through a whole study on that, wouldn't it? But you can see how that fits in there in this chapter 20. You remember what Jesus said? Come unto me, ye all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Christ says. You're weary, you're heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Isn't that nice? There are a lot of restless spirits out there. Restless souls. People fighting this and that. Troubled by all sorts of things. and Living in fear. Bondage. Troubled by nightmares. and Past sins. The consequences of those past sins are still there. And yet, Jesus says, Come to me. I'm the city of refuge. You get rest here. You get refuge. I am the city of refuge. Run to me. Flee to me, Christ says. Isn't that beautiful? of what we have here in this text that we've dealt with. You flee to the one who is the answer. And we get security, rest, safety. We have promises of life, eternal life, forgiveness and peace for eternity. Remember that uh, old hymn? How firm a foundation 
ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. And there we go. We have fled, ran to the city of refuge, Jesus Christ. So, what we have tonight, in those chapters that we just covered, very quickly, we had the land that God gave. We have the possession that the people have of that land, victory. And number three, they have rest. And the internal rest is where it really matters. That's what counts. And if we're in Christ, that is what we have. We find that security within His loving arms. That's why we like the study of Joshua, book of history. And it's all happened and it's all true. A book of covenant promises. But yet all of this is for us too. And I hope we have a lot of valuable lessons that we can take to our hearts this evening. Thank you for joining this Tuesday night Bible study. Let's close out with a, a word of prayer with the Lord. Father, thank you for the promises that you've given us, the possessions that you've given us. You've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and you've given us rest. Rest in our great high priest, our high priest that has made an atonement for us, our sins are cast away. We are forgiven forever. Lord, thank you for this evening. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.